This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. I'd like to introduce our guest today. He's a big break winner, Twitter legend, and a PGA Tour caddy who's a self-proclaimed tax write-off for Austin Cook. It's none other than PGA Tour looper, Kip Henry. Thanks for coming on, Kip. How's it going? What's up, Zach? So, firstly, I guess, thanks for coming on. It's, like, very rare to get someone to come on mid-tournament, but... That's even better. So we just finished round one of the Rocket Mortgage Classic today. So I figure we may as well talk about it a little bit. You came off a pretty solid round one. I know he started off with a double cookie, and then he ended up making a bunch of birdies. And then, unfortunately, not the greatest 18th hole. But how would you say things went out there? Well, he didn't have a double until we had all pars until uh, like our, maybe our fifth hole, par three. At a left pin, he tugged it a little bit, hit the bank, he kicked hard down in the bunker, and I go, that's not going to be any good because it ran hard. It's going to be near the face of the bunker, you know, the, the left face of the bunker. And we get up there, and it was it was even worse. It was near the face, but his feet, and it was in the back of the bunker. So his feet was way out of the bunker, and he had to squat way down to try and hit it. And he phoned it way over the green into this tree, and we were just dead. He made a hell of a double bogey. Yeah, I guess we only have shot tracker to go off of to follow along, but but, but then after that he kinda he ride the ship, made a few pars and 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 got it going, played it four under from there in. We had just creamed it off of eighteen. And then it had like one thirty four or a little bit of help and wins, just an easy gap wedge and he hit it eight feet and I thought, Well, all right, we're gonna make bury another one and get us three under for the tournament with great fight back and dang if you don't he tugs it, and it rolls by about three feet, and then I think he had a misread there going back up the hill, and he lifted out. So, man, that was a big old punch in the stomach there to finish it off like that. I thought we were going to get to three, and we fell back to one under. So, yeah, the, we, the shooting, they're shooting lights out here, man. Exactly. You guys are right in it. Right? Tomorrow you have a pretty early tea time, and the wind should be blowing tomorrow afternoon, so. And yeah, so maybe we'll flip those boys back. I need Cookie to win the medal on one of these days coming in here soon. Like he, we were winning the medal quite often back when we started yeah. out. And, but he's just been his his game is right there. He had to make a few uh, not swing changes, but he had, he had let a couple of bad habits come into his swing. He had been conscious about his golf swing for about the last two months, and you just can't be making. You know, you can't be trying to hit spots with your backswing and stuff when you're out there trying to play. You just need to be playing. But he's done it enough now to where he's not having to think so much. We can get back to target-oriented golf. And he's really – he's just been sloppy lately. He hasn't played bad. He's just sloppy. And it's not stuff that he doesn't normally do. And that's what we keep doing. We did it again today. Just kind of sloppy. So. Exactly. So before we get into the juicy stuff, I figure I'd also bring up Last year, I have to bring it up, you guys won the RSM Classic. And yep. one thing most people listening probably don't realize, obviously you do, is that your former player, Brian Gay, finished third. So talk about that win and what it meant for you and Cookie. For those who don't know, Cookie's Austin Cook. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, Cookie had a, he had a stellar college career, but no wins. You know, and then he played two years on the web, and he, and he was a consistent guy and finished up there, with, but he had no wins. And then 
for him to for me to be standing beside him when he won his first event, four events in the the seventeen, you know, the wraparound. He won on the he really won in seventeen, but it was the wraparound season, and he won at the best possible time he can win. And uh, so you know he's. He, he locks up his card for that year, plus he's got two more years. So it's the equivalent of a three-year win when you win at the beginning of the year. You know, as far as, you know, he, he was concerned about playing well enough to keep his card early. That's not going to be a concern much of his anymore in the rest of his career. He's beyond that. But but that tournament, uh, he just plays lights out the first two rounds, and so does a fellow named Brian Gay. So we get paired with Brian Gay. On Saturday, he was worried about it being, you know, uh, odd or hard or anything. I said, I don't, you know, me and BG are still friends, and I'm I pull for BG. And I said, but then I'm, I'm, we're here to beat the pass off of the guy, you know. I ain't worried about him. And Cookie played great on Saturday, and you know he slept on the lead Friday night. That was amazing, Zach. What he did. He's a rookie. He's never won. He hadn't won a golf tournament since high school. He sleeps on the lead on the PGA Tour on Friday night, and I tell, I call my wife. I go, he's playing so dang good, but don't get your hopes up. Just, I mean, for him to be sleeping on the lead Friday night, it's going to be hard for him to do this, you know. But he's playing good, but it's going to be hard for a guy to do this. And he played so good on Saturday, increased his lead like one more than he already had. And we get paired with Brian Gay again on Sunday. It's a long story, but but we get paired with BG again on Sunday. I, I tell the wife again, you know, don't expect much. You know, he's playing great, but God, it's going to be. He slept on the lead two nights in a row now. He's going to be pent up with energy, and this is going to be. It could be a really tough day. And uh, I mean, he hit it that Sunday like a, as good as I've ever seen anybody hit it. I mean, he, he tugged it in the left bunker on like 11 or 12, and I, and I don't remember him missing another golf shot. I and mean, he putted pretty solid, but he didn't putt great. and just ended up winning by, I don't know, I mean, we win by four. He won by four, yeah. Amazing. And, and, you know, Brian Gay kind of spits a bit on Sunday. You know, I was hoping Brian would finish second because me and Brian are still good friends. And I was hoping Brian wouldn't screw up, and Brian pretty much screwed up. And then uh, – you know, all the whole tournament. I'm going to. I'm talking way too much, but here's. A, I want to tell this story. So, the whole tournament, I was dreading. Once we got around the lead, I was dreading the 16th tee at Sea Island. If you know, if anybody's played there, if you tug it, there is no left rough. If you tug it, in, it's into the hazard, and it's pretty much a re-tee. It's the equivalent of out of bounds. And I was dreading that tee ball all day Saturday. I was really dreading it Sunday. And the cookies play it so good. But Brian Gay. We birdied 15, but Brian Gay runs at an eagle, and he gets fatigued, but he's still like, he's still two, probably two or three behind us. And Brian Gay takes the tee on 16, and I, you know, here I was with tee, I've been dreading, I'm dreading, I'm dreading, and Brian Gay hits this toe diving hook, and goes right into the crap, and I went, God, last thing I needed my guy to see right there. And boy, I went into the caddy overload right there, I said, and he says, you like driver? I go, nope, I don't like driver a little bit. I said, take this three wood and try your best to pump in that bunker ball. I said, it might get to it. It might not. But I said, try your best to fire it right in the middle of that bunker. Hit it in that bunker for me, I told him. And he just creamed it right at it, and it stopped a, a four-yard short of it still in the fairway, and it was pretty much sewn up after that tee ball. Anyway, birdie seven. 
Oh, but so we get to 18, and BG hits it right down the middle. We hit it right down the middle. BG's about one yard behind us. And now BG's fit the bit because he's doubled 16. Now, I'm feeling bad for my guy, but I, I mean, I'm feeling bad for BG, but I want Cookie to get it in. And dang it, Brian Gate will hoop it from like 148 yards right there. And he goes all the way back up to either solo third or tie third. It was, it was a big, I mean, we were so, I was so happy for him. But then Cookie stuffed it right in there and made another birdie just to rub salt in the wound. So that's a long dang answer to your question, Zach. But no, it was a great happy. answer. I guess the major worse for uh, the W. <laughs> so it was pretty cool to be standing by that kid. I mean, such a good boy. I'm as happy as I can be on my bag that I have now. And he lets me know that we're in it together. And, and I'm just, I mean, he's having kind of a sophomore slump now, but I couldn't be any happier. Yeah, I mean, if this is a sophomore slump, though, I think like 90% of the guys would take it. So, yeah, that's true. Bad. Yeah, that's right. Was there, any, great yeah. was there any extra satisfaction, though, in beating Brian Gay, even though, of course, he's like a friend and you want to play him, but at the same time, you sort of want to show him, like, maybe you need me a little. Oh, you know, that's, I mean, that goes through the back of your mind, but I would rather shove it up some jerk's butt out there, you know, than one of my buddies. But, you know, for BG to still finish third that week, it was like almost too good to be true. If BG could have somehow finished second, that would have been the perfect scenario that week. But but you're right. That goes to the back of your mind. It's like, see, you know, I was worth my money all this time to you, BG. But a lot of people think caddy's just caddy and carrying stuff. And uh, I mean, maybe anyone could have won with Cookie that week, probably. Who knows? Because he hit it so well that week. It was a fabulous ball striking week. But, but yeah. That goes through your head, exactly what you said. You kind of cram it up on a little bit. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> hey, so did, you, did you get in any hey, good sir. celebrating after, though? Say it again. Did you get some good celebrating in after? Oh, yeah, man. I celebrate after bad rounds. I have fun at funerals. I'm always having fun, buddy. I don't, I don't let bogeys and birds dictate my happiness. So, but we had a little extra fun that night, <laughs> maybe one or two more than normal. But, hey, I, I got to ask you, do I need to, you know, when I play golf with my preacher, I don't cuss, you know? No, you could you could cuss. I could cuss on here? Yeah, fuck. Yeah, hell yeah, all right, baby. I was biting my tongue some, so I don't have to good. We're good. We got to be good for something, just so you can <laughs> cuss. I know uh, – so what would you say, though, is your best moment caddying for Austin? And if that was it, what's your second best moment? Hands down, that was it. Not even close. Yeah. The, 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 probably our second best moment. So I'll try and keep this story short. I, I know short, snappy stories are the best. That's the ones I like. But, so I had gotten I, – I signed up with Cookie, an old buddy of mine. It was a club pro that came through where I was the head pro for 100 years wound up being the head pro where Cookie grew up. I never heard of Austin Cook, and I was between bags. I quit VJ not too long ago, and I wound up on one or two other being bats here and there, and I was kind of searching around. And uh, my old buddy that was a good player, he contacted me and said, hey, Kip, there's this kid here that's got his kill card locked up. He's got the web finals to go, but his card's locked up. Would you be interested in going? And I know you're between bags. And I, all I asked was, because I'd had one or two guys that weren't nice to me, and I said, all I asked him, I said, Adam, is he a good kid? He goes, he's a great kid. I said, give him my number, and let's see if it works out. So 
I go with him to Ohio State. Now, here's the backstory to Ohio State. It's the first of the four playoffs on the web. You know, even though his car's locked up, he's going out there to make money and improve his position. So I go to Ohio State. Well, here's the backstory to Ohio State. Two years prior to that, I was with Derek Fathauer, who's a dear friend of mine to this day, and he kind of got sore at me on like the 10th or 11th hole, and, and he kind of got nasty with me, and I, he cussed at me, and I cussed him back, and he rinsed me in the parking lot after we missed the cut on Friday. And then the following year, I'm with Cameron Percy, and I forgot the laser in the practice round, and we he thought there was more up on the book on, the, on elevation than the 11 had, and I didn't have my laser in the practice round. I thought he had his, but it was, it was on me, I, I admit. And he's a matter and heck at me. And when we, we missed the cut, and he kind of came at me and blamed me not having a laser on him missing the cut on Tuesday. And boy, I read him right out. Because if you think that's the reason we missed this cut, you're out of your mind. And I was pissed. He was pissed. He rents me in the parking lot. So back to back years, I get fired at Ohio State. So my first term with Cookie is Ohio State. And I found <laughs> up this kid I've never met. And I'm just so impressed. I mean, he's. His demeanor was incredible. It's like I said, God Almighty, dude, how are you not winning on the web? I said, You're you're gonna you're gonna get rich. I said, I'm excited. Well, we missed the cut on that tournament. We missed that cut. I go, Oh my God, I'm gonna get fired in the parking lot. Three straight years at Ohio. I've only been fired like three times in my whole life. Two times at Ohio State. And I said, I'm gonna get rinsed again three years in a row in the parking lot. And he decided not to fire me. He enjoyed the chatting for him. And then, then we went top ten, top ten, top ten in the last three events, and just took right off playing great into the start of the next year. And and then four four tournaments in, he gets to that win in Seattle. It was just like a dream come true. So that's the second best thing. Ohio State, him not firing me. Him not firing you. That's number two. Not a bad number two. You couldn't get number one. Right. You get number two. Perfect. One question I sort of wonder, how does he feel about all the attention you get on Twitter or the controversies you bring up, which, by the way, I'm all for? Oh, I love it. I love Twitter. I mean, it gives me something to do when I'm on the road. You know, it's lonely out here, man. You know, I got my wife at home. My kids are, don't live at home, and they're all – you know, I'm by myself a lot. It's my one outlet, you know, that it gives me something to look forward to and and sometimes I'm kind of rough on there. You know, I, I, I push it to the limit, and I'm sure the way I am on Twitter, it's cost me a couple of bags. I'm sure a couple of the big dogs, you know, I'm not stupid, though. If one of the big dogs ever hired me and said, Kip, I don't like your Twitter, I'd say, well, I'll shut it off, and it's easy. But Cookie, yeah. was, Cookie was confident enough, and really he thinks, he, brought, he probably don't want me to tell us, but he thinks a lot like me in the political world. Oh, I like me, so he, he likes 95% of the stuff I put out there. Yeah, so, uh, even if you don't like, like I don't see how people, it, it brings personality to golf. One of the things I think would be amazing is that they start miking up the caddy. Oh, yeah. I got uh, Austin's trainer trying to come through on that. I just sent him a message. I'll get back to him. So, but, so Cookie enjoys most of my stuff on Twitter. He, he, he shakes his head at me a lot too, though, but I think he likes it. But he's, like I say, he's confident enough in himself and, you know, uh, I have more followers than him than he does on Twitter and but he doesn't let that bother me, you know, but uh, I enjoy the Twitter world. I've had a few of them coming at me lately and I, I don't know, maybe 
my wife said I've been too mean to a couple of girls and it looks bad. I go, well, it's just a, it's just a series. It's just it's nothing, and I'm picking on girls. I love chicks. And yeah. I don't want but she says you sure have been hard on a couple of girls lately. And I went, well, that's bad because I don't want anybody to think that I'm a sexist or anything. But but oh, I I guess this last girl got sore. I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw I saw the Twitter beat. <laughs> I live so this it. one girl, she was pretty as she could be. She shows us up there, you know, she shows a video, goes something about I've got my new swing I'm working on or something, and she puts a video out, and one of the people I follow had just retweeted it. So there it was in front of me, and she's just as pretty as a bug, you know. And She reaches down to tee her ball up. She grabs the tee, pushes it down into the ground with her thumb, and then picks the ball up and sets it on the tee like a beginner, you know. Yeah. All I tweet, all I said in my tweet is, you know how sometimes you can tell a guy if he's a good player or not when he pulls his clubs out of the trunk. You know, you don't got to watch him swing, you don't got to watch him do anything, but you can tell how a guy handles himself in the parking lot. And I said, and you can, you can tell somebody's not that great a player. Well, you can really tell it in this video. And I guess she thought I was talking about her swing, but I was just talking about the way she teed up, teed up her ball. And, boy, she came down on me like stink on shit. She got so upset, and she she texts everybody, the LPGA commissioner and everything, trying to get me in big, giant trouble over just saying that she teed the ball up bad, you know? Oh, yeah, we've had our run-ins with the LPGA. They haven't been happy with some of our stuff. People are getting too sensitive, uh, I think. People, listen, the world has got, we've talked about it on 18 Green today. Me and a couple of the caddies and even Cookie, we said the world's gotten too sensitive. You know, I'm a sense, I'm the most sensitive guy there is. You know, I cry at Walmart grand openings. I cry at anything makes me cry. But you have to be tough. you got to be, you know, you got to know where people's heart lies. That girl's heart, she should have known my heart didn't lie in destroying her, you know, her golf game. I, was, I didn't care. But, I think they so, know that. I think they do, too. I think they're just, I think they're just uh, out there uh, to get some attention. Exactly, seeking attention. For her to tag all those people, LPGA commission, if he would have responded to me, I would have creamed him, too, for coming to me over something as simple and as and as, as innocent as that. So um, once she did that, I was fine. You know, I thought, well, I feel bad now that, she's, that she had – I kind of feel, but then she did that to the commission. I go, oh, wait a minute now. You crossed over. You're trying to get me fired for nothing. So I went to, I was going to go at her, and I looked, and she'd already blocked me. So I couldn't get to her. So I asked all my 42,000 followers, I go, if there's any of you guys that I don't follow, all you got to do for me to follow you is just text, just tweet that girl that I can't, she can't see my stuff. She's got me blocked. Every one of you guys that tweeted her that Kip said to kiss his ass, I'll follow you. And I had like 15 people <laughs> tweet her to kiss. So it wasn't it wasn't very much after that. Just soon after that, she shut her Twitter account all the way down. Now I start, I'm feeling I feel bad now. You know I didn't want I wanted to be a little tough when her ended up liking me and stuff. And I would even help her with her golf game. I'm I don't forgive and forget, but she shut her Twitter down. So now I feel bad. So maybe one day we'll organize a reunion. <laughs> to I, her, I could give her a golf lesson. I could help her. You could take her that tee ball she hit. You could take it square in the nuts and wouldn't even sting. I could help her speed up and everything. So she needs to forgive and forget and let me give her a golf lesson. I could help her. 
Yeah, exactly. So I guess before we get back to the caddying life, most people might not realize you're actually one hell of a good golfer and you won the big break. I think, was it the second season? Big break, too. I sure did. It was uh, back when I was trying with both hands to be a tour player, you know, back in those days. Yeah, so what was that like? That was when big break was, like, blowing up. Yeah, there was a game changer for old Kit because, you know, I'd, I'd quit my – uh, I had a great club pro job in Crossville, Tennessee, and the members were pretty much happy with me. And I mean, I had I was building up a retirement, and I just kept smoking everybody in Tennessee golf. You know, there for about three or four years, and really three good ones in a row, just killing everybody. And people kept telling me, "Now, Kip, you have to try again." You know, I tried tour school in '83, and, and ten pounds since, and I just kept flunking. And then I'd kind of just given up, and I was just resigned to be a great club pro player, you know, and try and just take care of my family. And, boy, I had so many people come to me and say, Kip, you got to try. You have to try. This was 2000. And I had some guys that said they would be willing to help me financially. So the wife, she said, we're going to sell shares. You know, this is 1980 now. I mean, 2000, 2000. And so she said, we're going to sell shares, $2,000 shares, and we'll sell 40 shares. I go, that's a great idea, baby. We live in Crossville, Tennessee. This ain't, this ain't New York. You'll never sell 40 shares of $2,000. There's not that many people are interested. And then within five days, we had a waiting list. So it was me back here. So I walked away from that great job, and, and I pretty much did like I'd done my whole life. I just completely fell flat on my face again. And I had a... And by the time 2004 rolled around, I was at already run out way out of money. I pulled out all my retirement. Sissy was supporting me, the wife of Sissy. She supported me through the whole thing. Never one time said, Kip, stop, give up. You know, you're killing us financially. She was, you're going to make it. You're going to do this. This is your destiny. You have to do this. Keep doing it. And, and so I ran through all my retirement. I had about 80000 in credit card debt. This broker and Dickens, and I started catting a little bit for friends here and there, and the big break came on the golf channel, and in the winter, big break one got a start on the on the Canadian tour. That was, but the golf Great. nuts, went, they went crazy over big break. About halfway through it, it, it exploded. All every golf nut watched every second of every episode, and including me, I watched about the last five. It was cool. And then they said, we're going to do big break, too, and here's how you apply. And that winner was going to get four starts on the Nationwide. And I said, man, that would be cool, but they'll never pick me because I played in probably at that time probably 20 Nationwide events by the end of my career, qualifying through the club pro ranks. And I played in Memphis, you know, by this time five or six times. I said, they're never going to choose me. They're going to choose a guy that needs a break. I kind of had mine, you know. And the wife talked me into doing it, and the last day, the deadline day, I filled out the questionnaire and made it as funny as I could do it and shifted it in, and they asked me. Here's a, it's another long story. So they asked me to come to Myrtle Beach and do a, 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 a interview, and so we, we took off, and I was teaching at the time, and uh, I took off, and me and the wife and my two beautiful daughters went down there, and I get out of the car, and and the driving range at Myrtle Beach, and there's, I'm telling you, there's a hundred tall, good-looking stripe shows on the range. Guys just striping it, and I mean, I, I'm a 40-year-old kind of overweight guy with bleached-out blonde hair, 
But I separated myself to having my beautiful wife and my daughters there, I think, and having the bleached out hair. But I thought, this is a wild goose chase. This is no. So I hit 10 shots. I spoke on camera for two minutes. We got back in the car and drove home. And I said, what a waste of time that was. And then they, about three weeks later, they called me and said, Kip, you're one of the pilots. We're thinking about you. And they came to Cross. They said, we're going to come to Crossville and, and interview you and stuff. I go, well, that's a good sign. And while they were there, they already knew I was going to be on the show. And while they were there, I got that, you know, obligatory phone call. I said, Kip, you're on the big break. It was just such an exciting moment. And then the to get through those 11 days in Vegas, that's where our show was, right. and to come out on top. It was a game changer. It was back on for me again. I won I won 10 grand, I won a brand new car, and I got four starts on the nationwide. I go, here, here's my big break. This is my big break now. And I slumped again. So that's how I ended up caddying. That's a very long story again. Yeah, so I guess through I guess through that people found you to get into the caddying game. Not really. I could have been caddying anyway because I had tried. I played the Hooters tour and I played many tours all over the country and everything. And I had friends just keep making it on the tour and I kept failing. So and I had people ask me all the time to you know caddy here a week and they help me out here and I would do it occasionally, but I wasn't willing to do it as a living because I was going to make it too, you know. And then after I ran out of money again that time. But, you know, I got some sponsor money out of that big break. It got us all the way out of debt. got us all the way back to zero. I you had got a car. Yeah, it was huge. Even though That's I failed hard in my it, it was a uh, It was one of the first Ford 500s. I sold it side unseen. I told Ford that, you know, they were one of the sponsors of it. And uh, I told them, I said, I'm going to sell this thing. I can't afford to pay the taxes on it. And they said, and they said, get it loaded, Kip, and just do whatever you want to. <laughs> I never even saw the things. I sold it straight to the Ford dealer in town. I made like twenty-five grand on that, and so that helped. And then I sold my, a guy bought my visor for a crap ton of money, and I had a shaft company come to me, and a driver company come to me. So it got us all the way out of debt. It was pretty fabulous. That's yeah, that's crazy. So I but then I failed, and then. Shortly, not long after I failed again and we were out of money, then another guy asked me to caddy, and I went out. And You know, my little brother had been on tour by this time. He caddies for Woody Austin at the time. He had been on tour for five years at that point, and he had already bought a big house and had a nice car. And I'm thinking, I guess I'm going to see what you're doing, man. You're killing it. So that's how I ended up caddying. Everybody says, Kip, how do you get to be a caddy on the PGA Tour? I say, fail at everything your whole freaking life. That's how I did it. That's good advice. Always have your options open. <laughs> so I guess we could talk about how we sort of got in touch. You shared our Peter Kessler interview, which for people who don't know, Peter Kessler was the host of the Golf Channel. He was the voice of HBO Sports, and he sort of turned into a lunatic, to be honest. So yeah. what did you think about that? Have you had any past experience with him before? You know, I never had. I always loved Peter's stuff. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, there's no one in the golf world with more knowledge locked up in his head than that guy. I swear. That's what we always say. It, the guy has more great golf knowledge, and he's got that deep, baritone voice. He was incredible on the golf channel. But then for him to to stand there and go toe-to-toe with Arnold Palmer, we were all like, you're talking about committing suicide on the on TV. You're doing it right now. Your career is... And he did it, and he stood his ground. But he's a guy 
he's 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 a different kind of guy. I mean, I had a couple people warn me about him, but I was his friend on Twitter, and we were getting along fine. I said this guy's the best golf historian there is, and then. He said something kind of thing, and I just said I kind of corrected him, and I got blocked instantly. And then someone said, "Just stay away from him." So Peter, I don't know. I think he needs to get some help. I don't know. I, yes, I think so. I know you guys are really bad when you're saying some tough things. So. Yeah. So uh, moving on from that, this is uh, one of our questions is that we got is no matter how good, like, a player is, unless they're 2000, 2001 Tiger, you're always going to have a bad week. So let's say you go to the Friday, your guy's, like, six or seven back of the cut line on the back nine on Friday. What are you guys talking about? Are you, like, giving good advice, or at that point are you just getting ready for some post-round beers? You really got to really – I mean, you got you to gotta really think that before you say anything, before anything comes out of your mouth in that situation because – for you, if you're going to rah-rah your guy, you better have something really earth-shattering that gets his attention, you know. And and then the, and if you use it then, it ain't going to work the next time. You'll have to come up with something else earth-shattering. So you just try and be a supportive shoulder for your guy, you know, more than anything. But occasionally when you, you see that it's important and there's something – I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take a shot here, and there's a chance he's gonna be madder than hell with me and tell me he don't need me to pump him up, you know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna just get him so pissed off at me after I do. So you really have to think, and I think that's something I do well as a caddy. I think I I lay awake at night and I think of ways to get in my guy's head without him knowing it, you know. And I try to keep him positive and and it's hard sometimes because this game is a game of hard knocks, man. For every one good thing that comes to you in the game of golf, ten shit things come at you first. I mean, it is a game of absolute beatdown, and you have to be resilient, big-time resilient. And I preach to Cookie all the time about his attitude, and I said, you're going to see, once you get out here on tour, you're going to be seeing some of the weeny, whiniest crybabies you've ever seen in your life. And I said, this grows power from that, grows strength from that. Look at them and smile at them and know that you're going to do that. I said, because you'll see a ton of it. Now, some of these guys are so dang good, their golf game is so complete, they can play past that, but they're underachieving because they're not – none of them are where they should be if they had a great attitude. And, and But, I mean, talking and pumping a guy up or if you try to talk about – most of the time we talk about uh, what we're after dinner or what's going on with their babies. You know, he's got a brand-new kid and – a brand-new baby girl and his wife and we're eating out and stuff like that. Or how many beers did you have last night, Kip? You know, I try to keep it light and having fun is the most important thing because these guys, they get out of the car, you know, they get up at 4 a.m., they get out of the car, they go to the golf course, they warm up, they stretch for an hour, then they have balls for an hour, then they go grind their butt off and in bad mood for four hours, four and a half hours. Then they go practice again. It's near dark. They go back to their hotel, they watch television, they come back the next day and do the same crap again. And if you aren't careful, this game will absolutely burn your butt out. And if you ain't laughing and looking for places to enjoy it, you're going to burn out fast. No one beats it. I, I, can, I, can, I don't want to say names, but I can name ten guys that are gone because of this crap attitude. Not like a game, lack of decent attitude. And they just... 
they just get so frazzled at times because they, instead of telling themselves that everything's good, I'm, my life is good, I'm happy tonight, I don't get, I got my family, everything's good, and smile through the pain. They, those guys stick around. Yeah, what would you say, what percent would you say is, is it physical or skills compared to mental? Because you see all the time these guys have incredible seasons and they have a bad season and they're back to great. You know, the thing, Zach, I think uh, 75, you know, I don't want to run everybody's thoughts about tour players, but 75% of these guys you wouldn't want to go have a beer with. You know, they're, they're a bunch of them are narcissistic maniacs and they're, uh, this is, they're stingy and selfish and, but that's the reason they're out here a lot of them. You have to be selfish a lot. And if you're not selfish and you're not an asshole, you better have a crap ton of game because these selfish assholes will run over you. Because some of the guys get past it, you know, they're really sweet, thoughtful guys, but they're they're the ones that are loaded with game. Their game is so strong. There's a bunch of guys out here with, you know, you don't get out here and be a bad player. That's crazy. But some of these guys play way past their ability just by just being mean as shit, not caring about anyone thinks of them, and just going out and getting it done. And so, if you can have that attitude, that you don't want caddy for those guys unless you're just making you rich, man. It's, it's no, a exactly. out here what we deal with, bud, and what these guys do. Exactly. So I guess this is very off topic, but that's sort of what we do here, anyways. You're talking about drinking after the course and my personal favorite drink are the Jaeger bombs because <laughs> what else are 24 year olds in Montreal going to do I have a question for you I went yeah. to the States a lot of the time when I go they mix the Jaeger with the Red Bull before giving it to you is that how you get it usually if you get it I've never had a Jaeger bomb I'm ashamed to say but I was oh, a, a straight beer man out here, and then I switched over to Captain Morgan and Diet Coke is my choice because I, I thought I'd be thinner. You know, it might help me be thinner and get less calories, but I guess the sugar in that just gets me. But I, I, I drink pretty much seven days a week. I, now, I control it. I don't start until dark, and I shut – if I got a, you know, if I got a 7, 10 tea time, I'm shutting it down at 8.30. I'm not having any more drinks, and I'm in bed. You know, I control my drinking, but I don't have some form of alcohol. And I guess it's just out of sheer boredom. I don't know. But don't Perfect. Know. So now I know I'll have to get you a drink one day at one of these events. There you go. Let's do it. But, uh, like, I go early tomorrow, so I'll go to dinner here, and I'll have a couple beers, and I'll just come back and go to bed. I won't get after it very hard. I I'm, I control it. But uh, but drinking the captain diet, it didn't. It didn't affect me. I didn't get any thinner. You know, I'm, 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 I'm fat. I'm, I'm, I'm sad because I'm fat, and I'm fat because I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we get into a few fan questions, I noticed on your Twitter you have the Austin Cook and Kip Henley birdie fund, and I feel like I have to mention it before. And if you wanted to talk about it a little, star guys, because I feel like it's definitely worth something worth talking about. I love it. There's not a finer thing in the world. It, uh, I have a, a, a good friend back in the, uh, Lenore City, Tennessee, that I played golf with a few times. We call him Field Shot Johnson. His, his, his name's Eric Johnson. We call him Field Shot because I played with him twice, and he made it from out in the field both times. I've only played golf with him twice, but he's hooked like two real far-out fairway shots. We call him Field Shot. And so Field Shot came to me, and he he's kept up with my Twitter, and he knows this 
the uh, I tweeted a bunch about the St. Jude, and uh, there's just not a finer nothing in the world that you can do to that help the kids. That's the most most important thing. Sick babies. There's nothing worse in this world. Period. And I just always, you know, playing in Memphis a bunch of times myself and being around that. I mean, it's always been something super dear to my heart. But Eric came up with the idea to Kip. I'm going to donate this much money, and it was a big bag of chunk of money. You know, he's done well in business, and he said, I want to help out. And I think we should do this. Everybody the cookie makes, I'll donate this much money. I said, man, that's so awesome. Eric, you're the best. And he said, you should do that. And so he created that account. You know, it's like a GoFundMe. And if you follow my Twitter, Kip Henley, at Kip Henley, it's as simple as that. My, it's a pinned tweet at the top of my Twitter page. And I've had, I've got a few people, and I'm not sure how much it's up to now, but it's something's better than nothing. Field Shop put almost all of it in there, but I have some other guys donate a little bit, so it's pretty special. Anybody wants to do it, I'd be, I'd be much appreciative. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's like a very thing. I appreciate it. It goes directly to St. Jude. They don't. It doesn't come to me, and then I can take half of it to the casino and blow it. It goes straight to St. Jude. I never even get to look at it. So, <laughs> if anybody's ever worried about that, so I never get to see the money. So. Yeah, that's great though. Like you, you see these people complaining about your Twitter and all this, and then we see how many of them are doing stuff going out of their way to help others. <laughs> it bothers me a little bit, but we'll, I'm so happy. Zach, I'm so happy you say that because, you know, I, I get in these Twitter battles occasionally and I never throw the first rock. I don't think I threw a rock at that Kristen Erd girl. If I did, it was a little bitty baby babble. I try not, but like I say, I'm sensitive and I, I'm like the uh, the comedian with the mic. You know, you just don't take a swing at the comedian with a mic because he'll kill you. For sure, he exactly. He's dead. So on Twitter... I pretty much have the microphone with anybody that comes at me, so I, I can't hardly lose. So, but if you come at me, you cross me and my family. You cross my family, I'm coming at you both guns blazing, man. So I'll let it hurt on. But I try not to ever, ever, ever throw the first rock. But I appreciate sure. you saying that. My heart's in the right place, but I promise. Exactly. So I hope you don't mind. I have a couple of questions from Twitter. I know people wanted me to ask you. <laughs> I can't wait to hear these. So uh, I, I took out some because I know some you can't answer, so I did you that favor. <laughs> Good. Rhyme Dog wants to know if you can outlift Phil on calf lift. Phil is a – I love Phil Mickelson. He's one of my favorite guys to go out with. I'm going to go on record saying Phil's got calf implants. He cannot have those cool calves. He's a golfer. <laughs> But you know what? He's a pretty good athlete. He can throw a ball a mile and stuff. I mean, that guy. Yeah, that football amazing. video came out incredible. He's an amazing guy. And uh, there's a handful of tour players that don't like him, you know, because he, you ask Phil what time it is, he tells you how to make a damn watch. He just won't tell you it's 6.30, you know. He, he's a he, – but, you know, if you go out with that guy, he'll talk to the caddies as much as he'll talk to the players. He's he's so chill. I'm a huge Bill Miggleton fans, I call him on Twitter. I call him Bill Miggleton. But, uh, yeah, his calf muscles are amazing. And I really don't think he has calf implants. I don't think he would go that far. But he might. I think if, I, if I lost 30 pounds, then mine would be, that, mine would be even more defined than they are. I would smash him and, and <laughs> on the calf. But I'm not well, getting much of So then the one guy you might like more than Phil is Tiger, of course. 
And Dan Denunzio wants to know what was it like the first time you got to play with him? And I'm wondering for myself, what was it like not just being with Tiger, but with Joey LaCava as well? Amazing. This is my 14th year out here carrying heavy shit, and I've never gotten paired with Tiger until last year. Brian Gay and I, and we were in the winner's bracket. You know, the winners play with the winners. We never got paired with him, not on Thursday, not on Sunday, never. And I kept watching that board, and Brian Gay really didn't want to play with him. I said, you're out of your mind, dude. He's the greatest to ever play. I want to play with him every day. And I think I wanted it too much. Like, I wanted to be a tour player. I just wanted it too much. So it was just like this unreached. And last year in the playoffs, dang it, Cookie uh, did get right under him or right above him after Friday score. We finished at the same time. So our names are touching each other. And so I got to go back and sweat because we're playing twosomes in the, on Saturday. So I got to go back to the hotel. We played early. So I got to go back to the hotel. And, you know, once once they start to finish, you can count down one plays with two, two with three, three with four. I mean, two with three, uh, one with two, three with four, five with six. And I'm counting down. And as guys finish, it changes. You know, the guys make the birdie above you, fall below you, and then you bump up. So I'm with Tiger, and then I'm not with Tiger. Then I am with Tiger, and then we're not with Tiger. And I'm just, I'm just like I've got a million dollars on this. I'm sweating it. And it turned out it was good. I said, unless some guy can't marry the man, I said, unless he makes triple on 18, I got Tiger tomorrow for the first and it worked out. We got paired with Tiger in New Jersey. I think it was New Jersey. And, I mean, I was like a kid in the candy store because I've never, ever fallen off the Tiger train. I told everybody, he ain't through winning majors when everybody said he was done. I said, the guy will probably win the Masters, no doubt. And he did all that this year. So I never left. And I was that way when he was sick or hurt. or in, I, I said, listen, he, he's the greatest champion ever. They wrote Jack Nicklaus off 50 times. He won after that 50 times, I said, he ain't going to forget how to win. He'll win. But anyway, we get paired with Tiger on that Saturday. And Cookie, we beat him to the tee. You know, the, the champion comes to the ring last, I guess. But yeah. Cookie stands in one tee. Cookie looks at me and goes, this is the most nervous I've ever been. I said, man, we're going to have so much fun today. And so up comes Tiger through the rope, comes walking right up to me, sticks his hand out. He goes, how's it going, Kip? So he had done his homework. You know, he'd ask somebody, who's that fast, the caddy for this kid I've never heard before? He might have been nervous to meet you. <laughs> no, he, but he, he knew of me and he knew of Brett because whenever I've pinned him down over the years to make him talk to me, you know, he would say stuff about my brother. He knew he knew who we were. He might not have known our name, but he knew that, you know, it's a kind of a fat brother and a real fat brother, me. So he knew we both were out here for he came up and shook his head out and said, Kip, how's it going, man? I went out on cloud nine. And he was so awesome to go out with, you know. And, and LaCava's never been anything that cool to me. And, you know, Joe LaCava, back in the day, him and Freddie, he was with Freddie then. Freddie was at full power almost on the big break. And they were big break nuts, both of them. Freddie watched every episode, and so did Joe. Joe had me picked, and Freddie had Donatello picked through the whole show. And so I ended up costing Freddie a little bit of money there. So, uh, yeah, I know, I know I went to the one event we were credentialed to with the Farmers Insurance. We went out there, and Tiger was there, and just him walking by you, it's like a surreal moment. I went in being like, I'm going to be so professional, won't smile like or bother any of them, and then Tiger walks by, and it's just a moment of panic. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> it's a whole new world. And then uh, – <laughs> Dave Dillon, he wants to know that if the PGA Tour got rid of 
the yardage book for each event, how would you and your player deal with this, and how would your job change as a result? I would, I would, I would love for you know, I, I, I wish they get rid of those stupid green books where a guy can read a putt sitting in the living room, you know, if he knows where it's at on the green. I hate that. I despise yeah. that. But those guys that say that, Kip, you use the yardage book, don't you? I go, yeah, I do. So you kind of have a valid point. I wish they would do away with every. You can't have anything written down, and you got to judge it or remember it or whatever you want to do. I would be all over that. That's the way we. I grew up playing the game. You know, it used to be you would look at the 150 plate up there in front of you. You wouldn't walk off to it or nothing. You go, well, I'm about 30 yards behind that. I hit a six iron about this far, and and judge it. You know, so I do a lot of my work with my eyes anyway. I do not read. I do not use the green books. I do, I'm old school and. I tell those guys, I can see downhill, you know, this rock there, and I go, see that over there? That's downhill. My boy <laughs> down the hill. So I say, I can see downhill. I don't need a damn green book. But my, it, really, it, it helps the guys that can't read greens that, and I don't like that. I wish it was back using our eyes the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, my dad's going to be ecstatic with that answer. I'm never going to hear the end of it. I'm with you, too, yep. but he's been preaching <laughs> for years. Get rid of all the yardage markers. Oh, I love it. I wish they would. You had to eyeball everything. That would be beautiful. And then my last question for you is, if you could have anyone caddy for you in an event, who would you choose? Well, the last time I made it into uh, the St. Jude, you know, I won our section championship. I don't know what. In, uh, oh, let's see, 2009, I think. And so 2010, I played in the uh, the St. Jude for my last time. And, and uh, I'll tell you a quick story about that. I, I said, Storm, you know, Sissy suggested Storm in my bay, the one that was Miss Teen USA. She was a big golfer and made it to the state high school junior senior year. And I thought, well, you know what? This is an opportunity of a lifetime. And if Stormy's willing to do it, you know, I think she was like 16 at the time. I don't see how old she had been. I don't even know. Maybe she was 19 at the time. She was probably 19. And so, uh, I let her, I guess she would have been 20. She would have been 20. So uh, I let her caddy with me. But one of the old great caddies, Scotty Steele, wanted to caddy for me so bad. You know, I'd been on tour for a while at this time. And he said, let me caddy for you, man. So I'm not charging that. And I said, Scotty, I love you. And you're the coolest guy to ever go out. I said, but my baby. You know, Scotty Steele, this is for the fans that you, you may not know who the caddy that the caddy Scotty Steele is. He's, he's, he's gone now. He died of a heart attack. But. He's the greatest caddy caddy of all time. And the caddy caddy is the guy who helps the other caddies when you're out there. They rake your bunkers. They clean your guy's ball. They're getting yards. They're letting you know where they're hitting. They, they're, he's the ultimate caddy caddy. He's gone now, and he's a beautiful guy. And here's how I'll tell you. You know who he is. When Chip, uh, I mean, when uh, Larry Mize chips in on 11 at the Augusta to beat Greg Norman in that incredible playoff, the most, one of the most incredible. That's who hugs him right there. That's Scotty Steele. <laughs> That's crazy. And he wanted to caddy for me. And even though Stormy, that was a beautiful time in our lives, and I enjoyed it. I, part of me wishes I'd let old Scotty have my back. That he might have fired me up enough to where I might have played decent that week, even. But I doubt it. Yeah. So unfortunately, though, this is sort of the last question. This is actually the last question. My my yeah. co-host Jerry Lou, who is supposed to be on the show wasn't able to join us. Unfortunately, he's a caddy at Brandon Dunes, so that would be great. Oh, beautiful. You'll have to talk to him. And 
he really wanted me to ask you this question. If you could be the president of a fan club for any person of all time, who would it be? Holy smokes. Deep, the president eh? of a, that's deep. And I really? can't say my dad or my family. No, I'm the president of the, the Henley, Team Henley fan club. I have a beautiful family. I, I got two brothers and two sisters, and I, we had two of the most perfect parents who ever lived. And I got cousins out the wazoo. I mean, nieces and nephews out the wazoo. We have the most beautiful family you've ever seen. I'm the I'm the uh, the the president of that fan club, the Henley Team Henley fan club. Man, I'm, Love I, we got a, a great family. We're we've been so blessed and so protected from pain in our lives. We, we're the luckiest people around, man. Yeah, I love it. Well, thanks a lot, Kip. Uh, it means a lot that you went out of your way to do this, and hopefully we'll be able to talk again soon. And all the best of luck for you, Cookie, and hopefully I'll get out there to one of these tournaments soon. Me and Cookie's going to go out and win the medal in the morning. We tee off at like 7.15 or something. We're going to win the medal tomorrow and get back in the ball game. You watch. We'll have a, we'll have a strong, so all you uh, fantasy guys, Pick Cookie coming in. He's fixing to start putting it all together. So we're going to have a strong last quarter of the season. You watch. I love it. You, Love it. Thanks a lot. Peace and love.